Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2021.7. I'm Rohan Karamandi, and with me as usual, I've got Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Bit of a cold, but you know, it's getting into winter. It comes with the territory, I guess. That's right. That's right. Here it's allergy season. It's just pretty bad for allergies, actually. But yeah, it's it's there's just tons of allergies in the air. So I I feel you there. Bad, bad, like, but also like heat, right? Like, wasn't Canada like fifty degrees or something the other day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in 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 the uh, western part of it, we didn't get hit as badly here. It was it was warm and humid, but it wasn't right. uh, it wasn't uh, Vancouver bad. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think they hit up with the Humidex was like 47 or something like that, which is uh, crazy. But yeah, but I'm I'm at least enjoying the summer, so which is which is good. So. That's it, right? <laughs> sort of getting out of lockdown, you can go and start enjoying yourself now, right? That's right, a little bit at least. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. All right, so 2021.7. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, a great release. I've started playing with it the other day. It's you know, good to see, you know, like little things around here that just, you know, getting tidied up a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, there's a new entity that they're added in. It's called a, a select entity. And I don't yeah. think it's going to have a, a major, it's not going to be a, something that's going to, right home about the beginning but it's going to be i think very useful for where they're heading in towards home assistant you know and some things that we've talked about you know with org integrations being able to you know create things inside home assistant and so this is a new type of entity it's very similar to an input select type of you know entity that you could create in home assistant so you know you would have a drop down box but this one is an auto populating drop down box that can then be used inside services and automations so one example they've got is for uh, like a light service, which has effects. I'm thinking, you know, I've got a Nanoleaf here. You know, you've got uh, effects inside your Nanoleaf or whatever mm-hmm. they're called, the profile, the light profile or something. Um, yeah. And inside Home Assistant, you know, you'll see, you know, effect color loop, effect this, all that. Uh, but now, you know, if you customize those or if you have a, a light that has, you know, a different sort of effect, that can actually be sent over to Home Assistant and then added as an option in this dropdown which is going to be good for things like blueprints and automations, especially right. as things start moving into the user interface. You know, we'll be able to go and then select those things and actually getting an updated list from uh, the entity provider as well. So I think this is going to be a cool little thing. Uh, I can't wait for it to be expanded to things like, you know, Sonos speakers that can have, you know, their favorites automatically pushed out to mm-hmm. Home Assistant so you're getting a live updated list. But yeah, very cool to see you know where this is going yeah that's pretty neat so so the big difference seems to be that this is kind of a dynamic list whereas input select you go in and you say i want yeah exactly a b c d whatever different options for for whatever you're trying to do yep yep and you know i think that's that's important to note that you know like there could be an option that gets removed maybe right like you know if you remove a a favorite in sonos you know one day bam it's not going to be in that list anymore yeah so i think this would be cool for things like people creating custom Lovelace dashboards, you know, that want to, you know, have, you know, things that can be selected by people on their dashboard, but, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, you don't have to update it manually when you add a new playlist or something or add a new color scheme or something in your 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. As as a manufacturer or whatever adds something, then it just mm-hmm. shows up, right? Yeah, which exactly. is which is kind of neat. Then those code changes required by home is you have to wait for a pull request to enable it or something. Well, it's that much less of a breaking change as well, too, right? I think, mm-hmm. which is usually pretty helpful. So, yeah, yeah. that's also true. All right, um, trigger conditions and trigger IDs. So those are also kind of being brought in as well to kind of help with those very large automations. Um, so a lot of times you'll have an automation to say, hey, if my trigger is A and B, but then not C, and then you'll have another one for saying A, but not B and C, mm. whatever it is. So here you can actually add a lot more trigger uh, conditions in the trigger. And, and it was kind of, I think I think you could do it before. It was just the way it was done was kind of like not annoying, but just it, it was it wasn't efficient the way well, it was yeah, made. So right? I, well, that depends because I think there's two ways that this can now work. So originally, yeah. if the original way to do it, and I've done this a lot of places in my automations, is to use uh, a template inside mm-hmm. a condition. So mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. a automation gets fired you can actually access what triggered the automation through like the trigger variable yeah. inside the automation and then you can use that in conditions. The issue with that though is uh, you would have, let's say you've got two uh, triggers based on a door opening, right? Like door opens immediately and a door has been open for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. The problem with using the templated trigger approach is that the trigger entity ID would still be the same door in both scenarios you wouldn't be able to know you then have to do another trigger and say how long has the door been open for yes right? or you have to do another template to to find that out yeah but with this way you can actually you know separate those two triggers out and then give them separate ids yep. in the automation and now you don't have to worry about templates or anything like that exactly and and i think the nicer thing is that you don't have to use those templates right and mm-hmm. as as somebody who's i'm not going to say i'm i'm an expert by any means but like as someone who knows how to re- use the system relatively well i would say it's still i like template and, and phil you know those templates are something that always has screwed me yeah. up right like yeah. it, it's it's just always been complex it's you're you're working with yaml and then all of a sudden now you're introducing another Jinja. uh jinja construct right yeah. which is yeah. and 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 which isn't too bad but at the same time getting the getting the exact you got to um, it's a totally different syntax, right? Like it, you yeah, that syntax up, then you have to use the template editor and debug exactly, it. yeah, exactly. And 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 it's and it's a pretty tedious, right? And 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 again, especially as we move towards that whole holy grail of you know Home Assistant being able to be consumed by the masses. To me, that was actually one. Uh, like, like one thing that held it back, right? Yeah, um, definitely. I think the less templates you have to do inside YAML or in Home Assistant in general, the better. Yeah. I yeah. try and avoid them where I can because I know Home Assistant is going to be more efficient at using um, what I write in YAML as opposed to me as having to like debug what I'm trying to accomplish in a template. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this. This is probably my favorite new addition uh, in this release. I think as soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, I, I know exactly what I need to change. And so... I have an automation for our living room. You know, if someone's staying over as a guest uh, and they need to, we, mm-hmm. I have a, a guest mode, right? And, you know, simple, just disable some automations or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been sleeping out in the living room while my daughter's been sick. And so I have been, you know, in the morning, I'll get up and I'll turn off the uh, guest mode. But yeah. for whatever reason, because, you know, there's some, I've got sprawling logic, you know, there'd be like a condition like oh, it was too early. I was, wasn't triggering it when you know, I was expecting it to. But now with these uh, template 
that's where with these trigger IDs, I've just been able to go, if I physically turn off the uh, yeah. the Boolean saying, no, guest mode is deactivated, just ignore every other condition, right? And just skip everything else and go do it, right? And yeah, like so guest mode being a master yeah, kind exactly. of yeah. switch, right, everything essentially. Else. Allows me to yeah. keep everything in one automation, you know, to, so I don't have so many automations in the system. Yeah. But just, yeah, makes it perfect. Yeah, which is which is great, right? So, like, check check guest mode. Essentially, you're building a small function within mm. within a bigger bigger template, yeah. right? Essentially, is what you're doing. And so now, yeah, and this is going to have like such a good thing for things yeah. like um, my, you know, dynamic presence. You know, not so binary presence detection in Home Assistant. I'll be able to, you know, specify. You know, basically, everyone can have their own ID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the actions, you know, change people based on what trigger ID got mentioned. So, yeah, this is going to be um, yeah, very useful for me, I think. Yeah, and 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 I think more than just you, right? Like, I think I think a lot of people that are doing this, and 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 again, this is something I think, you know, it's it's worth the time to take and figure out how this works. Mm. Um, and then and then I think I think you know, for people making it making their automations in YAML, I think you can actually just really quickly build stuff out right because again you, you don't have to worry about the jinja 2 templates you don't have to worry about anything else yeah so i have like this master automation that's you know and i think i use a home assistant group you know, so i basically yeah. put all the automations that need to be disabled if a guest is you know staying you know so you things like lights turning on lights turning off you know whatever else or air conditioner yeah. anything that needs to be disabled gets put into that group and then you know if depending on what time of night it is if the tv gets turned off then and guest mode is activated then turn everything off in that group yeah essentially makes it yeah yeah. and then that way you don't have to have conditions everywhere around the system right like yeah that's what i'm trying to avoid but that's also like yeah it's it's a very very inefficient way of doing it right but it's one of the only ways of doing it from before oh yeah definitely right and i also think it's more efficient in terms of if you disable the automation, then Home Assistant doesn't have to check the conditions every time. Like, so for example, let's say you've got your living room lights turning on when there's motion detected, right? Yeah. Previously, yep. what I would have to do is in my living room lights automation, you know, I would have a condition is guest mode on or off. Mm-hmm. But now that I've been able to just turn off that automation completely, that automation will never get triggered. So Home Assistant doesn't have to, every time the living room motion sensor it gets triggered, check that condition. Right. So it's sort of those things where I'm trying to make, you know, Home Assistant having to do less work, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. my developer brain doing it. Uh, you know, they've probably got... No, as, as it should be, right? Right. But yeah, I think that's yeah. how I try and, you know, when I'm trying to think out my automations, I try and think out, you know, how can I get Home Assistant to do less amount of work as possible when it needs yeah. when something happens yeah no agreed agreed but anyway i digress a lot of guest automation stuff there so also so, so we're just talking about templates here but if you have ever tried to use dates and trust me i have in uh templates they can be a royal pain in the bum so mm-hmm. as of this release there is a new as date time function which can be used against you know a standard date time string so what Home Assistant will do is it will take a date string, convert it into a like a proper date time object. It can then use right. all the other helper functions in Home Assistant, which uh, is actually quite handy because previously there was a lot of uh, helper these helper functions to go the other way, you know, from a timestamp into yeah. you know a string or anything else. Like they made it a lot easier to go the other way. It just was hard to get something into a date 
time uh, object. So this is going to be very handy for people that need to do that. Yeah, no, that that is pretty nice. I think, I, I, again, it's these kind of functions that, that make life a little bit easier, right? So mm. oh, definitely. So speaking of, uh, now it's possible to use other entity values as conditions. So you can actually reference the entity as a whole. And uh, so you can say like, okay, above, below values, whatever, and use that as uh, a condition, right? So whether it's a sensor or a number value, something like that, you can use that. So you can trigger an automation basically if it's, if the temperature is higher than blah, 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 then do so-and-so, like turn on your AC or, or whatever, right? Which, again, is one of those things where it's not impossible to have done it before. It's just this makes it a little bit easier. So it sounds like there was a bit of focus in this release around yeah, uh, just it's the little things, right? Adding these little things in here to to make it make more sense, to make it a little easier for for using it as a whole yeah definitely and I, I really like the like because i have a lot of uh things like you know temperatures coded into my yaml right like if the, this room is above this degree you know change yeah. this but having the ability to you know for example like use the weather from outside like yeah is a great example you know because once the weather like i'm thinking you know down here in melbourne summers a cool change rocks in right you could have a, a 40 degree day and yeah. you know five o'clock at night cool change rocks in and the temperature outside is actually cooler than it was inside um you know being able to just have home doesn't dynamically generate that and go yep that's all right you need to open the windows now and turn the aircon off right yeah so much yeah. It, that makes it so much better to do yeah in fact i'm going to write a note and i'm going to do that for <laughs> next summer before I forget about it, right? That's right. There you go. Um, some new integrations coming in this release. So Ambi is a cloud service provider for air quality and pollen information. So I think uh, there were some you know, pollen integrations that uh, recently got taken out of Home Assistant. Yeah. So, you know, this uh, is bringing things back in. Uh, so if you are, you know, using pollen information and allergy information in Home Assistant, this is another, it's a free API. So you do need to register and get a free API key, which is limited to 100 requests per day, which I think, if my math is right, is like four checks an hour or something. Right. Just pretty good. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. So if you do need more than you know, to check two locations, then you might need to halve your request limit. I'm sure there'll be a configuration for that. But yeah, I think cool to see a free service added into Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind, and I'm just going to take a tangent here, but things like this that, you know, are limited to, you know, 100 requests per day, surely like maybe something like Nabucasa could step in here, right? Like I'm thinking like there's thousands of instances of, of Home Assistant, right, that I have, yeah. you, know, if, you know, there's 10 instances of Home Assistant in New York all getting the New York pollen information from this service, right? So proxy surely to them. Like, yeah, proxy to like, yeah. then of course there's privacy implications of that, which I understand, but yeah. Um, because, you know, this, like, Ambi service, right, like, they're offering, you know, a free API. Now it's cool that, you know, Home Assistant is added, but then it puts pressure on them if, you know, all of a sudden they get thousands of people hitting up their free API, right? Yeah. Yeah. So make make one request in place mm. of that rather than... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that'd be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, again, I think... I think I don't, I don't know if they would... If, if the, the Nebuchadnezzar guys would be interested in that because, again, to your point, there is a privacy implications so on but i guess if you're if you're that's all right yeah i guess well because today when you do use nabucasa there it is still fairly good for privacy like i think i don't think they're like recording a ton of yeah. stuff again don't quote me on this i don't work for nabucasa but <laughs> well but I mean, it, they're pretty open with their um statistics right like that's all yeah. privacy baked in right but that's also stuff you can opt out of 
Correct. Right. Uh, you don't have to opt into the statistics and something like this. And and I think this would be something like that too, right? Could you mm. like, you know, proxy my API request to known services or whatever, right? So yeah. yep. Yep. where instead of proxying to, you know, a service like Ambi, you would say, okay, well, instead let me, or instead of hitting up Ambi directly, you'd say, okay, let me send the request to uh, Home Assistant and whatever latest thing they have, great. Yep bring it down from there but yeah exactly yeah i i i i see it i i get the value right i just uh, will they do it i don't know i guess and doesn't really have any uh, effect on uh like users right like at the end of the day it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if i'm putting my api key directly into ambi or getting it from nabucasa right? right like i'm still getting the same data right i think from a business point of view right yeah, I think I think it'll also be argued on the other side of the spectrum where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to build an API, build a property so it does scale, so it does, mm. it is able to handle that, right? That's um, true. Especially if it's a free API, you should expect people to use it. Yeah. Um, which, but, but I think you know, I think still, again, rate limiting people to a hundred a day or something like that is is great. Like, and sure, yeah, they've also costed that out; they can afford it, so that's fine. Yeah. 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 So, but hopefully, hopefully that does to your point that does uh, work out well. So. All right, another new integration, uh, forecast.solar. So basically what uh, forecast.solar does is they provide an estimated forecast for how much energy your solar panel solar panels will be using. Uh, or sorry, will be producing, not using. Uh, so basically the idea is how can you plan ahead and uh, you know how do you spend all of that energy that you harvested um, efficiently. Mm. So that's actually a kind of cool integration, especially if you have your solar, whatever plugged into home assistant. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, you can utilize some, uh, like a service like forecast to say, okay, well, based on this, you know, it's kind of cloudy day, you know what, maybe I'm going to turn off a couple of non-essential things, you know, whatever that is. Right. I wonder how like far in the future it goes to though. Like, I wonder if it's, you know, saying, like, would say it's, like, Sunday today, right? Like, would yeah. I be able to say, is it going to be able to tell me, all right, for the next five days, the best day to put the washing on is going to be Wednesday, right? Yeah. Because that's yeah. going to be the best day for producing solar energy. That'd be, I think, I'd be well, interested to see that. It would be. I I also, see, I don't, I don't know if I trust the accuracy of that, right? Yeah, that's it, right? Um, And, and I'm not saying that the service is inaccurate, right? What I'm, what I'm saying is I don't know if our uh, meteorology services are accurate enough. Who, mm. Whoever, I mean, uh, unless, unless these guys have their own meteorologists, I don't know, but unless like typically they, they do consume it from some kind of government source or, or, yeah, yeah. or comes from, you yeah. know, some, some data that they pulled us from, right? And I, I just don't know if, I mean, <laughs> just again, we, we've always, we always witness it, right? Like where it's like, hey, yep, it's 100% definitely raining right now. And you look outside and it's like bright skies, <laughs> like, right? Like last whatever. weekend right here, oh, bring an umbrella. It's going to be raining all weekend, right? Yeah. You see a drop of rain when I was outside at all. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And, and. And and again, this is not a knock on meteorologists. I I don't think that's an easy profession in any way, right? But mm, I think it's definitely. also it's also one of those things. I think you can only predict it so accurately, right? Yep. So do do I want to say like, hey, I think this is this is the best day to do it, and then based on that, it not uh, do it. So I mean, I I I we'd love to hear, or I would love to hear some feedback at least, right? And and mm-hmm. if this works or not. Not that I have any solar or or will be getting it anytime soon. I'm just just curious, just out of if if anybody does use this, let me know how accurate it is, or let us know. Yeah, uh, I'm guessing like even like if people that 
uh, reliant, you know, maybe they're off grid, you know, got a, a home assistant instance running off grid, yeah. you know, or even like a tiny house or, yeah. you know, even people like in RVs, right? Like we know there's people out there using home assistant in RVs that might have solar panels, 100%. right? They might want to know, you know, what is the best day to stop on the side of the road and, and charge them up while I go get a coffee, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like there's got to be, like there's a lot of use cases for something like that. So, yeah, we'd definitely love to hear all your interesting use cases. Yeah, exactly, and and I think I think that that would be a lot of uh, a lot of fun because it, it it is interesting, right? It it's and and I'm not being uh, cynical or anything like that. I I would I would genuinely love to see how accurate this is, mm, right? Absolutely. And you know, if it's if it's seven out of ten, I'd say that's pretty good, actually, right? Yeah. So all right, another integration coming in is called Modern Forms. Uh, now. It's a bit of a, an interesting title, but uh, Modern Forms, they have a line of smart Wi-Fi connected fans mm-hmm. uh, that allow for cloud or local control of the lights on the fan and also the fan itself. So there is support for individual sleep timers for the fans and lights that can be set and cleared independently. So yeah, Modern Forms fans now integrated into Home Assistant. Nice. All right, some other noteworthy changes. A um, couple of quick hits here. So first, uh, there's some changes coming to the way Docker image tags work. So if you're not using Docker installations, this doesn't affect you. Uh, but if you're like myself and use the container installation method, basically Home Assistant is recommending that you use a specific version tag within Docker. So if you're like me, I, I'm typically on the on the beta release so my tag is rc you know or most people use latest whatever that is right so um so major versions and patches will be under the parent tag um and then so for example uh 2021.7.1 which is which is this release that we're talking about uh well sorry 2021.7 uh and then if there's a patch that would be a dot one that will be added to the 2021.7 so therefore if you add any, or if you just do a Docker pull, even if you don't change that tag, you will get the latest update, which is actually great. That that to mm. me is, is is how it should be, right? I think personally, I, I I don't see them deprecating like latest or or, or RC, but I think um, you know if you want to pin yourself to a specific version, I think what they are doing is good because you do still want the latest tag, so uh, the latest patch. So as an example, if there is a security vulnerability that gets discovered, you can still stay on your same version without having to go in and adjust a tag or anything like that. You just need to do a Docker pull. Yeah. Great. I think I think I think that's that's uh, that's a good way to do it. And it's also I think to prevent a lot of people getting breaking changes if they just you know specify mm-hmm. the latest you know if the, the latest tag in yeah. Docker you know because then you know once a new release comes out you know you're gonna always download the latest and greatest which could introduce breaking changes so this is yep. just another way to sort of version off and, and keep people you know where they're expecting to be in sort of the the version state i do hope that um they keep the latest tag going i think that's a sort of standard docker thing yep. um yep. it's very consistent um so i can't see them getting rid of the latest tag but yeah no. i think it's good that at least those base tags are coming in which is very common in software around on Docker anyway, you know, there's always a, a, yeah. a parent tag has always been updated with, you know, the minor bumps anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Cool to see that so you don't need, you don't need to add a, like a dot one dot two dot five or whatever yeah. it is, right? Like exactly right. it just 2021 seven and great. You get the latest 2021.7. But also if you do want to you know, download number six instead of number seven, you know, you can do it, right? Yeah. Cause they'll be tagged there anyway. 
WLED has added WebSocket support in this release. So now those WLED devices will be able to instantly report status updates back to Home Assistant, which is very cool. Last release, we saw the Philips Hue integration get that. So yeah, cool to see, you know, instant status updates back for these WLED devices, which seem to be everywhere. Everyone seems to have a, a WLED device nowadays. Yeah. Uh, there's a new service to reset a smart tub reminder, which I, I, I love these these kind of things, right? It's just, it's, uh, so when uh, when Jeeves comes in to replace your filter of your smart tub, uh, you can have the maintenance re- uh, reminder reset automatically. So I just, I, 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 I just love hearing about, again, like, especially i think smart washroom accessories are, are are my favorite thing to hear about right like smart toilet smart tub smart like yeah, any yeah. anything like that like it's <laughs> you have a very nice backyard with your like pergola setup when are you going to get a, a smart tub like that's right. i think you've you've got everything like we've added this into the release notes now around like that's right i think you, you need to do it you just especially I, before winter kicks in right you i would love nice to get a smart hot tub it would be yeah. my favorite thing but uh, it's, I think uh, buy the hot tub and then make it smart. That's your excuse to buy the hot tub that's in the right. first place, right? That's you right. You need to test all these integrations that keep getting added in. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. I, I need it's for science, really. Yeah, for science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No other purpose. Uh, um, now, there are new input elements on the login page. Now, this doesn't seem like it would be a huge thing, but it's great for people that have password managers. I have. Which should of, be everybody. Yes, everyone, you should get a password manager. If you want a free one, I recommend Bitwarden and self-hosting Bitwarden underscore RS, which I think is being changed, renamed to Vault Warden or something like that. Basically, open source, free, uh, self-hosted, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, I won't you know, spruik too much more. But, um, you know, the input elements. So previously, when you couldn't use a password manager effectively on the home assistant login page because the way the front end is built and the input elements sort of yeah, weren't there in the in the background. So now, um, even if your password manager could support it before, it should maybe work better or support a whole range more of password managers. But now you should be able to use those password managers effectively to log in to home assistant. So yeah, I know I've been putting off using a password manager for that reason, but now that they are there, I will start randomizing my passwords in my home assistant, home assistant installations and, and use that. That's great. Yeah, there you go. Um, you can now make groups out of media players. Um, honestly, I think that statement says it all. <laughs> uh, but, but essentially, if you want a little more clarity, um, so you can have uh, similar types of, again, media players and such brought into a group. So you can say, I don't know, maybe Sonos, Chromecast Audio, like a bunch of different, different types of media players. Um, you can basically say, okay, I want to play across all of these or I want to do whatever across all of these devices. You can actually go in and uh, send it to a single media player entity, and then if you say stop or play or whatever from Home Assistant, all of them will stop, all of them will play. Now, for the most part, with things like Amazon Echoes and and Google Homes and things like that, there's typically like an everywhere element. But what happens when you have both? You have Google Home and Echoes and mm. Sonos and blah 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 blah. I think if you if you group uh, media players this way, you can just send one command out to one thing, and off you go. So I think this the, a good analogy for this is um, you can have like two lights, but then in home you can create them as a, a single light entity under a light group. Yeah. Um, so you know, let's say you've got uh, I think you've got your range hood right, right, like yep. you've got two smart bulbs in your range hood. Yep. Left, right, um, and then you know 
because they're two independent bulbs in Home Assistant, you could bring them in as one light entity and just you know group them together as a single light, right? Yeah. And Home Assistant would know to turn each individual light off when you do a single light turn off on that one. Same thing with this media player, right? Like you can now set up a group media player entity, like um, so you know media player type group, and then specify all the media players as an entity and control them with one yeah. you know media player stop service. Yeah, exactly. I, I did also see. Um, in there as well uh, that you can actually like when you're using the home assistant groups, right? So you could have things like, um, you know, like device trackers, they have like home, not home um, yeah. for the group level. I think they also have that. And I'll, I'll have to confirm that I haven't added a, a media player group yet, but I think they have like the same sort of thing. So like playing, not playing. Player. Yeah. It's either in playing or not playing, but I, from what, reading the um, GitHub comments, it looks like it's going to actually just say home or not home. I'll have to check it out. I sort of was like, oh, why would a media player group That's say weird. not home? Yeah. I would have, my logic would have been, um, you know, if a media player, if one media player in the group is playing, then the whole group is playing. Yeah. Or the whole group is stopped. Maybe that's how it works. I just haven't got that far into the release notes yet. But I, I'd, be, um, I'd be curious to know. Sorry to interrupt. I'd, I'd be mm-hmm. curious to know if there's, so one of the big things behind um, groups uh, within like any, it's like a single ecosystem, whether it's Sonos or Google or uh, mm-hmm. Amazon or, or whatever, is um, the ability to synchronize that playlist and to synchronize that music or whatever. So if I say play, sure, it's going to take that, um, take whatever song, let's let's say yep. I'm, I'm listening to a song, whatever, a Spotify playlist, something like that. I say play and it plays across all of my devices. But within within like an everywhere group of like whether it's Google or Amazon or Sp- Sonos or whatever, they actually there's some control behind there that happens where they all synchronize um, and play whatever music. Mm. When it's done like this at the way, same time. at the exact same time, so that's why that's why you don't hear any weird like phases like or like a, like a phase shift essentially yep, when yep. like you're walking in from one room that has a Sonos to another room that has a different Sonos. You don't hear that they're like a second apart or like half a second apart or something like that. There, there is some kind of synchronization. I forget. I think honestly, it's Sonos that holds that patent. I might be wrong. Yeah, there, yeah, but it's probably sure it's Sonos. Yeah. So, so which is why it took a while for that to come into some of the other devices, right? As, as I think yep. they were working through some of that stuff. So, that is really cool. But what happens when I'm sending it across um, one? Like, let's say I have all three of those in my in my home. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, I have I have both Google Home and, and Amazon. Right. And let's say let's toss Sonos in that mix, too, which I don't have. But let's just put it in there. I wonder if everything synchronizes still. Is that is that some kind of an o- open standard now that they do? Or no, is it I, a I strongly doubt it. Right? Like even yeah. like the Amazon Echo just supported it. Right. And they. Yeah. Because they were the last to get it. Yeah. And I think it, it's actually a very complicated thing, and that's why it's you know only slowly being you know only a few companies have had it for a while. Like Sonos, yeah. obviously being the leader, and I think it's actually quite difficult to do because I think Sonos has its own like even though you connect it to its Wi-Fi, it creates its own separate network, so it knows to sync yeah. you know all the speakers around and buffer things around. Um, so I I don't think it would work across multiple devices. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. 
Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. You also got to think like in terms of Spotify, right? Like when you play a Spotify track against, you know, Sonos or your Google Home or your Amazon Echo, that's technically three different players, services playing content from your Spotify account. Yeah. And Spotify only lets you play one thing at a time. So only one of those players will be able to play that Spotify track, if that makes sense. Right, but I, I could I could see Home Assistant acting as a proxy for something like that. So Home Assistant's playing it and then mm. relaying re relaying it or what relaying yeah. it to whoever. Which which that part I'm I'm actually less concerned about. I'm I'm concerned about if I'm listening to it, I don't want my bedroom to be in a different spot of the song than yep. my or, or podcast or, or whatever it is I'm mm. listening to. Um, as I'm as I'm walking through my home, I don't I don't want that whatever I'm listening to, to be in different spots. It, it seems kind of choppy. It seems kind of, it's it just, a, it's just not a fun experience, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like if you have two TVs going, let's say upstairs and downstairs and both people are watching the same thing or both TVs are showing the same thing and mm. you're, you're, you're hearing your TV, but you're then you're hearing like, let's say your downstairs TV or something and that's, and you just heard what happened and you're hearing it again from downstairs, right? It, it, it's kind yeah. of that, that same kind of a yeah. crappy experience that you, that you don't want. Whereas you don't get that with, the Google's, uh, the Google Homes, the uh, Amazon Echoes, and the mm-hmm. um, and the Sonos devices, and and I'm sure there's a ton more that that do the same oh, thing yes, that yes. I'm not mentioning. Yeah. It's just those are the big three. So I, I don't, yeah, I'm 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 really curious to know how that works. If I say play this, um, is it, am I is it going to be crappy? <laughs> it's it's a long and short of it, right? Is yeah, I guess th- there must be a use case for those like groups of media players. I'm assuming that. Um, it would be good for things that it'd be good for a um, stop like hey good night yeah, and then for, yep everybody stops but i'm thinking like um text to speech announcements right like um because the when the text to speech mp3 file gets generated it's generated locally onto your yes. home assistant instance and then can get pushed out to those media players so maybe you know to your point that you were saying you know about all those different devices maybe the lag because it's all local yeah. won't be that much I don't know. Yeah. I, I I do think every device will have, and you know these big companies spend a big ton of cash getting that perf- like yeah. you know lag perfected, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And 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 just speaking of TTS, the Echoes don't do that for TTS either, right? So like for no, example, I have my door announcements that go through the entire yeah. house, and I'll hear it four times. Like like you know, like same thing. Have you ever used like the announcement feature of the Echo? Like. I yeah. have like all my Echo, like every different, like I've got the Echo Dot, the Echo Show, I've got some Amazon uh, yeah. Kindles. Every device that has that plays the announcement plays it at a different time, and it's just like a wave going through the house when yeah. the announcement goes off, right? Yeah, yeah, and and well, that's that's how I do my my uh, like front door open, back door open, whatever. Yep, is I actually do it through uh, announcements, so it gives you that like ding ding first, and yep. then and yep. then it and then it says whatever whatever it has to say 
and and you'll hear it like front door, front door, front door, front door open, right? <laughs> and it's like like as, as exactly what you said, right? Like you can hear the different different uh, things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and and even that annoys me personally. So I'm like, ooh, if it's if it's anything other than like. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, right? Because mm. because what are they doing in the background to, to help this? I, I don't see any like anything happening there, but you know, so potentially limited use cases for that. I think so. My my solution for your front door announcement is to just bite the bullet and buy Sonos, and then what I did was pre-record the Amazon Echo Ladies uh, voice into an MP3 file and store that in my home assistant instance. So now, you know, I just group all the Sonos players together and, and play the one MP3 file. Yeah. So it's synchronized and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's, you know, doesn't, I don't have that wave effect, but yeah, anything else. Yeah. It's but coming. I'm, way, it's, I'm, I'm too cheap to go out and buy more, I know. more stuff. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to upsell you on a smart tub machine. I even tried to, you know, t- told that's you that a, it was going to be, you know, outside. So you, so you started, you started at a hot tub. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I already can't afford. <laughs> and now we're going to, uh, you're working our way down. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty soon I'll end up with some kind of smart switch and okay, here, here's it. a $30 alternative. If I'm lucky, right? The home That's right. Version, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Sony Bravia TVs now exposes a remote component, allowing you to control your Sony Bravia TV from a home assistant. So always good to see a new TV getting added in. So now you'll be able to press buttons or, uh, emulate buttons and, and have a nice user interface inside Lovelace. Yeah. Um, also, another thing coming to the UI is Coinbase. So the Coinbase integration will now be configured from the UI. There you go. So see, more stuff coming in. Like, it's another cryptocurrency. That's right. Uh, change. So it must be in another bull market. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. What well, we're going to see next month. What do you reckon? A new exchange added or... Oh God, they're, they're, man, there's they're stuff coming up like daily. I've been, I've been following some of these pretty closely and it's like, it's there, there's just so much happening. And it's like every day is just like another, like, here's another, like, especially if you're looking at the decentralized finance market, it's like, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. like 600 coins that came out this well, when's like, the, like hour. When's the official home, this is an NFT going to be like, right? Like when, when do you get to buy in on that? Right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> But. All this is like sitting there like, yes, I'm going to release 100 of these NFTs and everyone get a stake in Abu Kasa. Go. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Paulus is like, shut up, guys. Please stop talking. <laughs> stop encouraging yeah. people to do this. No, okay. Yeah. Um, breaking changes. So there's a couple of, well, there's a few more breaking changes in the release notes, but just a couple that we um, thought would be very important to get out to. So blocking incorrect reverse proxies. So if you use a reverse proxy like Nginx to expose home assistant to the outside world, so if you're not using Nebukasa, if you're rolling your own way to get behind your firewall at home using a reverse proxy, then this will apply to you. So home assistant will now block those requests where a uh, special HTTP header, which is called useX forwarded for, and trusted underscore proxies are not set correctly. So they're very easy to not set correctly. So just make sure that uh, your configuration in your reverse proxy is done properly because uh, as of this release, Home Assistant will start blocking those requests just as yeah. a, a proper security protocol there. And and if you don't know what that means, then again, that's more of a case for Nabucasa, right? This is, this is it's yeah. super, super advanced and not super advanced, but it, it's advanced enough. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's something that Nabucasa makes way easier. So. Mm. Um, Prometheus. So Prometheus, if you, if you use it now converts, uh, temperatures from Fahrenheit to Celsius. 
So if you're relying on temperature underscore C to be in Fahrenheit, you need to make those adjustments and uh, basically do a unit conversion in PromQL. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Should we get into another debate about Fahrenheit and Celsius in this episode? Yeah, no, no. It's it's we had we had we actually actually that generated some good uh, good conversation in the Discord. So it did, didn't it? Which uh, so which I was I was great. Yeah. Who knew that you know zero degrees and one degrees isn't like double the temperature, right? That's right. There you go. All right. So some other news um, around uh, the ecosystem of, of home assistant, I guess, this month, Rohan and. They want to come out is Tuya are actually started working on a native home assistant integration that mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be two-way and potentially local Yeah. Um, well as well. So really exciting because for those that don't know, Tuya is basically the white label brand of, you know, the, I don't want to say cheap, but more budget-friendly yeah. smart home Wi-Fi connected devices, right? Um, I know out here in Australia, we have... Kogan, they are a very popular retail outlet. They have a whole bunch of uh, their Kogan Smarter Range stuff. Um, and this isn't a, an advertisement for that stuff. I'm not recommending it at all. I I, put, I do have some of their things just because, you know, they've got things like Wi-Fi connected humidifiers or oil diffusers, um, smart switches, heaters, you know, and this is all yep. under the hood. It becomes Tuya, right? Yep. So they have just, you know, taken Tuya's um, technology from them and, and purchased it and licensed it to create their own stuff. So, um, and then you can go to Bunnings, which is another um, hardware store down here, and you know you'll get like your Arlec power board that has you know a power strip with Wi-Fi sockets on it, and that's also two year, right? Two yeah. different brands. There, there's tons of brands. There's stuff. hundreds, if not more, yeah. brands Brilliant. that use two year. I'm the sure, covers. like you could yeah. name a Globe. There, there's a right? bunch. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Tuya, by doing this, are actually going to open up a lot of brands to have a native interface into home assistant which is yeah yeah which is awesome awesome. but but so so what's interesting about this is it sounds like it's going to be specific for home assistant to use Mm. Uh, i don't know if that means it's going to be like a i guess not a side load but maybe like a like a special firmware that that you know that through the two-year app would would get updated or something like that or if it's just Hey, Home Assistant goes plugs into to the Tuya and to your to your, to your wow to your Tuya device, and Tuya recognizes that as as uh, Home Assistant and then pulls down a specific thing. So I, I I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't even know if any of that's hashed out. So Paulus did uh, did tweet about that, and uh, so it should be interesting to see what what exactly happens. But yeah, it it, it sounds like it's going to be exclusive to to Home Assistant to use, uh, which. You know, it's definitely a step forward. Um, I don't. Yeah. I. I mean, I'd love to see that just open, but it's. It's. You know, at least at least somebody like Tuya is coming to the table to at least come talk about it, right? To say, yeah, hey, absolutely. like, let's let's look at something like this. So, well, I know I have so many devices. I've. There's also um a few like in the hack store. There's like a local Tuya component that I've mm-hmm. um imported. You know, just to try and get local control. I wrote some Node.js um Docker containers to use the two year API to get access to my like power board that I was talking about and the oil diffuser. I've got a kettle that I can sort of turn on, but can't get all the readings from it. Um, yeah. So I'm really hoping that this official two year integration will just unlock all those devices for me. And, and if that's the case, then uh, people better watch out. Cause I may start buying everything from two year. Cause yeah. But, 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 the, but that's the thing. Like if, if people open their stuff up, mm. more people are be like, it's exactly what you said. Right. And, and, 
you know, I know, I know Paulus and Frank and, and family have been giving the same kind of argument for a while, but it, it's, it is so true. Like if you open it up and if I can integrate it, I am more likely to buy your product. Yeah. Like that, it's, it's just that simple. Right? <laughs> like, and it's interesting, right? Like, so as I said, I have um, a couple of those Kogan devices, but it doesn't mean I, I have never installed the Kogan app, right? Because of it's all two year. I just installed the two year app. And then I can actually see, like, when you go in, um, it's either as part of the two-year app itself or either when you're registering for a developer to get the API keys for it, yeah. they they have a list of what is your device, right? And the yeah. amount of smart stuff they've got, I have never even knew existed, right? They've it's, got, yeah. like, smart air fryers, smart ice-making machines. Hot tubs? Probably. <laughs> I didn't go that far down the list, right? I wasn't... <laughs> didn't have the budget for that but you know the amount of stuff that i've never even thought that could be you know wi-fi connected yeah someone is white labeled this to your device to make a smart ice box out there i don't know yeah. who it is i want it yeah. but <laughs> as soon as this integration with home is done i'm looking into it um yeah. but yeah it's amazing like how much this is going to unlock around the world as well right but, not but just yeah the here, trickle down right? effect is crazy because again tuya mm-hmm. is one of these massive manufacturers of this kind of stuff yep. and and whether you know it or not you probably have something to you in your house um and and thanks to wi-fi there's a good chance that it is, is to you based yeah and and i think Tuya uses esp under the cover if i'm not mistaken i think they used to um yeah. but then i think a lot of their new stuff like they've custom because what happens is people you know they start tinkering right like oh it's just an esp i'll, I'll flash it right so then they yeah. get they get on there's been a, it's like the old-fashioned days, right, where you yeah. know, you'd, you'd sort of find a back door into something and they would put a firmware out and patch it up. Tuya has been known to do that in the past. Um, yes. You know, and then you'd have to go, oh, I've got the wrong version installed. I don't upgrade the firmware on this device. Yeah. You know? So by Tuya actually coming to the party to do this native integration, I think will prevent a lot of that needing to be done in the future. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm a huge fan of not having to do that, especially when you're, like, sitting there opening up your, like, power switches and stuff like that because you know what god forbid something happens right and yeah. your insurance isn't going to cover you because they're like well this was a compliant device and now it's not, not because yep. you open it up and modify the circuitry inside right and and yep. you know your your house is burnt down and and uh, again I'm, I'm being a little bit dramatic here but you know the the idea is at that point uh, you know I, at least my insurance provider 100 will be like yeah too bad right so sorry you're you're out one house yeah. so not a fan of doing that if i can avoid it right so mm. but but speaking of esp um phil you had a little bit of an experience with the esp home browser provisioning so yeah um for those that haven't seen it and, and i mean we do talk about it but there is uh, a you can now provision esp devices or esp 32s esp 66s whatever i guess it's mostly 32s through using your browser and and you've actually done it so in the last episode i was talking about my am43 blind controllers or my, yeah. my blinds right my m43 yep. and i have a i had a raspberry pi zero running around the house um and for whatever reason i did an upgrade or or something like that on the code because it just stopped reporting one of it its state right so i thought oh, i yeah. just upgrade the node.js version and then i ran into this whole thing where I was running incompatible Node.js versions under the hood and essentially I couldn't control my blinds. So Brian, CM and Linux Ovens on Twitter reached out and said, hey, just downgrade your MQTT broker and it'll, it'll work, right? And unfortunately for me, it wasn't the MQTT side of things that was the problem. It was actually the on the Raspberry Pi Zero, 
right. was the code, right? Like it was a Node.js compiling issue and underneath the hood was like um, a Bluetooth low energy um, package that was compiled against a different Node version and it was just a mess, right? And I was like, I, I just can't, I don't have the time to try and fix with this. And um, so JJ Lamont on uh, Twitter replied and linked me to a GitHub repo from at uh, Buckstronics. And it's basically an ESP home capable code to pair with an AM43 blind yeah. um, and expose it to home system over MQTT discovery, which is basically what perfect. I was doing before. Yep. Absolutely perfect, right? Now, the ESP home side of things is still beta and I understood that. I was like, that's fine. Sounds like I need to get on board this ESP32 yeah. thing. I have never laid eyes on an ESP32 before. Honestly. Okay. So, and this is before like the ESP home browser provisioning had come out. So this was like a week before or something. I actually pinged you up and I said, hey, what yep. ESP32 board did you buy, right? Like, I have no idea what I'm buying. Do I, did you have to solder anything? Because I don't have a soldering iron. I don't want to solder anything, right? Like, yeah. you have to solder stuff. That's as far as my DIY tinkering is gone, right? Yeah. So anyway, I found something on eBay. It was like 15 bucks Australian. And nice. came like a week later. Um, and uh, literally like the same uh, week that Home Assistant announced, you know, this browser provisioning um, from ESP Home, uh, I had an ESP Home board or I had an ESP32 board. I had no idea what to do. Um, so yeah, I went on to their little uh, provisioning website and uh, followed the instructions. I, I did, I must admit, I did find the instructions uh, a little bit confusing just as a first time user. Um, yep. So I plugged in my ESP32 board. Um, it said, you know, use a Chrome browser. I was using Brave, which is, you know, a spin-off of Chrome. I was like, Chrome, ah, yep. this will work. It's all the same thing. Oh, it's not working. What have I done wrong? <laughs> um, yeah. So then, you know, I did, I, you definitely do have to use Chrome. So uh, once I got Chrome, I'm on Mac, so I had to download the drivers, which was linked somewhere else on the page. Once I got through that, I installed those. But yeah, then um, yeah, I just plugged in my ESP32 and Home Assistant did its thing and said, okay, now put in your Wi-Fi credentials and I put them in and then it goes, cool, would you like to add this to your Home Assistant? You know, click this button and I clicked the My Home Assistant button and I got redirected into my local instance and it popped up. Would you like to add this, you know, um, ESP Home integration? Yeah. And I said yes. Uh, and it was there. And I guess for me, like... A lot of, I imagine a lot of people listening to this going, well, that took me, you know, like two days to get that far ahead. I've done it in literally 10 minutes, right? And I'm now I'm complaining because now I'm like, all right, I have this device in, in Home Assistant. What, what do I do with it? And I think that's as far as like the yeah. demo got, if that yeah. makes sense. So for for what Home Assistant or what, you know, Nabucaster and NESP Home released was basically like a demonstration of this onboarding process, right? Yeah. And the idea being that this can now be rolled out to other projects that want to, you know, allow people one-click yep. installs of their ESP32 boards and all that. So I was a bit confused on what I did next. So then I had to, uh, I think, you download uh, the... So then it tells you to download an ESP Home add-on. And of course, I'm running a Home Assistant Docker instance. So I had to find the Docker installation method. That was fine. Got that done. Uh, yeah, and then I had to do a little bit of tinkering with that um, Buckstronics repo to get it working. But eventually, yeah. I was able to get it working perfectly. I flashed my ESP32 board with their firmware and set up my... Uh, Bluetooth LE profile against the blind controller, and it has been rock solid since. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Amazing, right? And it's a dedicated device. It just does that. If I unplug it and plug it back in, I know it's going to boot back up and do its thing, right? So, yeah, 
the, the the nice thing I like about it too is there's no like about ESP32s in general because it is literally a microcontroller that does one thing to your point. Yep. There's no like Linux kernel under the covers that you have to yeah. deal with or like up keep updated or anything. Like there, yep. There's yep. there's none of that stuff. It's literally just that. Here's this thing with Wi-Fi and BLE, and yep. it, like it does one very specific thing exactly how you tell it to. Does what it does and on the it. chin, and <laughs> you, know, you don't have to worry about software updates for it, right? Like, I don't see my unless I change, you know, MKTT broker or um, you know anything else. Like yeah. that thing, I should never have to reflash for years to come. You know? Yeah. And 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 ESP thirty two actually, uh, so the ESP Home actually has an API too, right? So mm. you don't even need to use MQTT necessarily if you don't want to. You can just literally leverage the API for it. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, the yeah, the, if, if the repo uses the, it, then you yeah, the repo yeah definitely relies on like MQTT discovery. Which is fine. Uh, yeah, that's great, right? So yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, yeah. I am. Then now, of course, it's now I'm like, cool, what else can I do with these little things, right? And looking at that ESP Home page, like, there is so much. I know you've got, like, at least one or two there, like, doing your MyFlora flower yeah. sensors, right? Like, that's going to probably be my next mission. Yeah. The, the, I, I stopped using those because they were just kept dropping out or something. Yeah, it's, it's a pain to deal with it individually, right? But with this, mm. so the only thing I've noticed that I don't get, so I that I lose, is the battery percentage oh, so i don't really? i don't get the battery percentage which is a little bit annoying but i i also know that if it's if it doesn't show up then my battery's dead on it <laughs> right that, or you could probably do like if it stopped reporting you know 10 like within 10 days or something then yeah yeah it's something, probably got a flat battery right exactly something like that right so but yeah it's it's i use it for that um i have a kettle that i, I like I, I, I think i've talked about this in the show before mm. like a friend of mine um for christmas last year or year before last i don't remember but i got gifted uh this kettle uh by stag it's the ekg plus it's it's a very driven. nice kettle may, may it, i just say like, yeah I, I was looking well i just spoke about my smart kettle before right like i got the yeah. cheapo Kogan smart kettle it's two year base yeah i was looking because i was like mate i've heard about your smart kettle like tell me what it is that is a nice kettle, man. And the it's price that comes kettle. with it is very nice too, right? It was like $600 like for me to buy in Australia. And, I'm, and I don't even wow. think, I think, I think this is I think this is like two, three hundred. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's, it's uh, which to me for a kettle is still very pricey, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so, so again, this is not something I would have bought myself. It was, it was yeah. definitely gifted, but uh, which, which, you know, is, is awesome. But the it, it is ble driven so um there's a couple of people out there that have actually just literally just googled stag ekg um ble esp32 and bam right so i went out the spent times. the like the 12 dollars or whatever for a for a esp32 yeah. and i popped that code on there for esp home and it's in home assistant <laughs> like, like so literally that's someone- just it like has someone already made like an ESP Home version for you to upload, or was it like did you have to make conversion yourself to get it to work to be able to be uploaded through ESP Home? Oh yeah, no, no, no. So, somebody, somebody's already created. I'm, dude, I'm not that smart. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like, don't, don't listen. I will not take credit for somebody else's work in that, in that sense. I will say I ran the ESP Home tool, plugged yep. in my ESP Home, and and obviously this is pre the browser provisioning method. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Plugged it, ran it locally, plugged it in to my laptop, and I compiled and uploaded. That was, and I, I like changed my wireless SSID, and like that—that that was the effort of 
level of effort that I've, I've put into this. Right. Um, but again, it's, it's to me, that is, I mean, we don't really talk about it too, too much, but we always talk about the home assistant community and stuff like that. But the ESP home community is, is awesome for this kind of Mm. stuff, right? Because, because people have found these kind of use cases. There's, um, one, I haven't done it yet, but, uh, you and I were talking about it, Phil, which is the, ikea idison desk which is my uh, yeah, sit stand yeah. desk that i have upstairs yep. uh the only thing i don't like about that desk is i i actually prefer like a up down button with like memory and stuff like that this mm-hmm. uses an app so this is their more like premium desk but it's ble based and it, it it does have a switch on the it's like a little lever on the on the table itself that you can yep. mount and you like push it up for up push it down for down so it's like a paddle almost um, mm. But I actually prefer the one where I can just go like, I don't want to pull out my phone every time I want to be like, hey, remember Rohan not. setting or remember my girlfriend setting or like whatever, yeah. right? Like, and, uh, that's just effort. So uh, there are a couple of people that have created uh, ESP32 uh, scripts essentially for for that. Uh, I haven't played with it yet, but that is, that is something that's on my, on my to-do list because then I can just say, hey, uh, Amazon Echo set table to rohan right or, or, mm. or whatever and and it will automatically adjust the height to the preset height yeah, uh, that's awesome yeah so i again i haven't played with those i don't know how well they work if they work whatever i'm sure they do um i have no reason to doubt that but it's just it, it, for for ble applications specifically i think it's a really really cool uh cool way right but mm. again the problem is for me to actually build that it's I've read some of the some of the threads behind people people doing this, especially with like the desk and stuff. It's like they've literally sat there and decoded every BLE message, and I'm like, man, I am not that intelligent. Like, I can't I can't do that. But I, I guess not. I never say never, that. but it's 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 it is a ton of work that that people yeah. have put into this, right? Which, again, from 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 me personally, a huge thank you to all all of those folks, right? That are that are doing this. Um, but okay, it just is on that, like, yeah, you just. Because I have, so I just off randomly off topic. I installed um, Room Assistant for yeah. a couple of weeks, like a couple of months ago now, um, just to see uh, if I could do some Bluetooth tracking against my tiles. So I have some mm-hmm. Tile Pros that are you know little Bluetooth beacons, right? Um, and I have uh, in because I've got so many devices, right? That are all BLE based, right? And a lot of people do, right? Like I think your yeah. phone is a BLE device. Um, you've got headphone, like if you've got um, Bluetooth headphones, they're probably coming up. Yep. I, for whatever, so I had a whole bunch of devices that were just, you know, I, I needed to find out what these tag IDs were, right? But because I have so many um, devices, right, so I'd, I'd let it scan for, you know, 10 minutes and I'd see like these devices. I'm like, okay, that, that one, that one, that one, I've seen that before. I ended up putting things in the microwave to try and like do a, a process of elimination on what, because I wanted to find what, what this specific <laughs> tag was, right? Yeah. And I've got this tag and it's consistent. I'm like, okay, I know that um, that's, I've seen that before, right? It says tile. I, I've seen that ID. I'll, I'll, I'll add it to home assistant and I'll, I'll track whenever it comes home and whatever. And I'll eventually, I'll, I'll know what it is, right? But um, because I have so many devices, I, I, to this day, on my phone when we got home today, I got an alert saying, whatever device you're tracking got home, I don't know. I still don't know what it is. It could be yeah. my keys, could be my wallet. But there is just so much BLE traffic going on. For yeah. these people to be able to isolate it down and track their table and, and all that sort of stuff, it's it's not easy, right? Yeah, oh, so, so much effort, right? Like it's, and, and a lot of times manufacturers do provide like, whether it's an OUI or something like mm. that, like which, which identifies, you know, the manufacturer or the device yep. or whatever it is. 
fine, cool, right? Or or it's 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 against some known a uh, uh, list of known MAC addresses or, or something yep. like that, right? Where where yep. you can say, okay, this is from Tuya or this is from whoever. I don't know. Actually, Tuya doesn't even be but whatever. This is this is these vendors, right? Xiaomi as an example for, for yep. the MyFlora sensors. So you know, those, those, that's kind of cool, right? I, I don't know. I don't know exactly where in that stack it is, but a lot of devices don't do that too. So if I even on my ESP32, if I'm like scanning for uh, trying to find my my floras or the me floras whatever like mm. you see a hundred other devices there that just have no description no nothing and it's just a bunch yep. of mac addresses that you see right so it's like af colon bb colon like, worst, like, right? like yeah yeah you know, you're like oh great this 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 means something that? so you know again it, it is not easy to do these kind of things so i think i think that's a huge um huge shout out there for for the folks that do take the time to do this um but yeah, like they're, they're the the ESP two uh, ESP thirty twos and and the eighty two sixty sixes are are definitely awesome for for this kind of stuff. I I love especially the thirty twos. I love those things. Yeah, well, I'm I, I'm just looking at that ESP home page, like all the little projects. I think there was a a water level sensor in there that like uses like an ultrasonic little sensor. Yeah, um, that you can like measure how full something is, like a water tank. There is yeah a lot of applications yeah. that yeah. I yeah, could definitely like if I just need to retire so I could have <laughs> like so much like little projects yeah. I could just do every day right like I, I just I, I just need be, enough money yeah, yeah to, to live retire. happily and yeah, yeah. do this kind of crap <laughs> sit, sit in a, a nice bunker somewhere and just be like a modern day Tony Stark right and just that's right do do all these little cool little things uh, bunk and dream right yeah no that's it that's it so. But yeah, I think congratulations to ESP Home uh, and Nabucasa for releasing that because that is a great little feature. It must have saved me. I don't know how long, how much saved me because I literally just plugged it in and within 10 minutes I was connected to the Wi-Fi and using ESP Home to upload firmware. So yeah, certainly helped me out. Yeah, it's again, it just, it's, I think it just eases the process, right? So so this, this kind of technology becomes more available to everybody, not just... Yeah techy kind of people right so that's it and that's the goal of it right yeah that's it that's it mm-hmm. um really quick one other thing i guess we can talk about i know we are uh we've gone quite long but uh mm-hmm. github copilot uh, i know frank uh posted a tweet about this and essentially what it is is leveraging github to and and visual studio code to uh basically complete things like your automations or whatever it is you're building in in home assistant in yaml where essentially you just tab it out and and everything kind of fills itself so you kind of give a description of what you're trying to do uh and uh and off you go we'll we'll link that tweet um check it out it's actually pretty neat uh in terms of what it can do um I cannot wait to experiment with this. It looks yeah. fantastic. Like, so the idea being that so if people that have shared their home assistant configuration up into GitHub, GitHub's machine learning mastermind matrix thingamabob has gone through and you know, traversed all of your YAML files mm-hmm. as it does and has built out this you know artificial intelligence machine learning algorithm and so in frank in the tweet there will link frank literally just types in a, a comment saying when the lights turn on uh, from the kitchen motion or whatever yeah uh you know do this and sure enough frank, like literally visual studio code just prompts uh frank for the yaml so it goes all right the next thing you want to write is trigger the next thing you want to do is a platform state and then here's an example 
yeah. uh, enter the ID for a motion sensor, and yeah, it builds out the whole thing. I had no idea of GitHub Copilot in general, um, but it looks fantastic. I am interested in it from a home assistant perspective, but also from just you know professional coding, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, for to be able to, this is like where, and this stuff like really excites me, right? Like being able to use yeah. machine learning and, and this stuff to save time. Like the Copilot is a fantastic name for this sort of project, and yeah, I'm very excited to get my hands dirty with it yeah no that should be a lot of fun but yeah it's pretty cool check it out we'll link the tweet in the show notes um if you haven't already seen it yeah apart from that yeah right i think we've uh we've talked to ourselves around in circles today usually this is the time i would ask how your uh, machine learning delivery driving man's going but i guess we'll, we'll let you off this time <laughs> perfect perfect and and uh, if you want the quick status update it's not still but I like it. I like it. all right well yeah stay safe everyone and we'll speak to you all soon. cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.